Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Once forever. Kamosi, kamiaya. Once forever. What Jesus Christ has done is once forever. Never to be repeated again. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is a once forever sacrifice that does everything that every human being can ever need in terms of getting connected back again to God. The author of Hebrews, when he gets to chapter 10 of Hebrews, he has been talking about the high priesthood of Jesus. Remember he's talking to Hebrews or to Jewish Christians that are going back to their old ways, to their old religious ways and have forgotten that there is a new revelation of how you can get to God. Do you know many of us we also miss this revelation of the fullness of Christ or the adequacy of Christ that what Christ has done who Christ is is adequate for all your needs. But these Jewish brothers and sisters because of the problems that they were experiencing were moving back to things that they were familiar with. Ways that they had grown up doing and knew would provide security for them. Just like many of us do when things get hectic and we're tempted to abandon the ways of Christ. And so in chapter 8, he's been talking about the high priesthood. And up until chapter 10, actually in this section, he wraps up the whole theology teaching on, on the high priesthood of Jesus. And he's about to show that, that once forever sacrifice of Jesus is so much superior to the Old Testament and has some benefits for the believer today. Three things that come out of this text. Number one, the once, for, the once forever sacrifice of Jesus fulfills the law. Now he's been belaboring this point. Trying to show that, listen, Jesus is superior. He's superior to Moses. Superior to Joshua. Superior to the priesthood of Aaron. He's so much more superior. In fact, he's of the order of Melchizedek to whom Aaron had given a tithe and so in a sense Abraham had given a tithe sorry and so Aaron had given a tithe to Melchizedek. And not only that, Jesus Christ is the mediator of a superior covenant, a superior arrangement with God. And so he's kind of like wrapping things up in this passage. 
Listen to this, he says in verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things and not the very image of those things, can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. He says the law of Moses was just a shadow. It wasn't the real thing. In fact, he has already explained in chapter 9 that the law was just a temporary arrangement until the real thing comes in Christ. Please understand, the law is fulfilled in Christ. The law is just a shadow. Just a shadow. It was waiting for the fuller revelation in Christ Jesus. The law is a shadow. But the law is repetitious. Listen to this. He says, they offer these things at the end of verse, of verse 1 there in chapter 10. They offer these sacrifices continually. Continually, year by year. Still doing it. They keep on doing the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. For its time, yes, it was good. But when the fullness has come, when the real thing has come, there is no reason for the shadow. Says verse 2, For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers once purified will have had no more consciousness of sins. I mean, after the offering is given, if the law was really effective, then even the person that comes to worship would have felt that this is enough. And there will be no reason to make more sacrifices. And notice here, talks of the conscience. The inner person inside. You see, the law was just about external things. The first covenant, the old covenant, was about externals. Let me go to church. You know, there are other people that are living under the old covenant right now. They don't have Jesus inside them. And so they're doing things on the outside so that they have this quoting of religiosity. They look like they, they also are, are, are Christian. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. But deep down inside, there isn't that internal thing that God can only do in Christ Jesus. And so you see them, they come to church. But watch them on Monday. See how they conduct their lives. Look at their reactions. They'll tell you, listen, this is not spiritual stuff. Eh? You know, this is not spiritual stuff, my brother. You know, this is a real world. We have to make money in the real world. No, we go to we, we go to pray on Sunday. But this is a real world, man. Can't you see? There's no fuel around. 
external. Says verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. This is an annual reminder of sins. Now remember what the author of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about on the day of atonement when the high priest goes once a year to give an offering in the holy of holies once a year into the holy of holies to give an offering for his sins an offering for his sins and the sins the people have committed in ignorance and they knew that in the Holy of Holies that's not a place to play around. Because if that high priest doesn't have his stuff right and he gets into the presence of God he can end up being tossed. He can end up being bent in there. And so they will tie a string around him. And there will be a bell around it. You know, a little bell. So that as he's walking around and praying. There can be the bell going off. And so that we know that pastor. He's still alive. He's still alive. If you, if you, hear, if you hear the bell ringing. He's still alive. The moment it doesn't ring anymore. And a long time has gone. The bell is not ringing. He's dead. Pull, him. Pull, that, pull that rope. And that's a picture that he has here. That's a picture that he has here. He says every year when this high priest would go into the Holy of Holies it was a reminder of sins. A reminder of sins. The annual sin reminder. The annual sin festival. Where we reminded we're sinners. We're sinning. You see, many of us do not realize what we have in Christ Jesus. Notice here it's saying their consciences still knew that they were sinners. And what he has already said in chapter 9 is that in Christ Jesus our consciences are, are cleansed. You know when you do something wrong you feel guilty. Even though you say I'm right, I'm right. How can you say that to me? How can you speak like that to me? Deep down in your heart of hearts, you know this is wrong. And so you can prance around and act like everything is okay with you. And all holy. Deep down, you know this is wrong. Here's what the blood of Jesus does. It goes and cleanses us. And that's what we have in the new covenant. This is the God who are saying, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the north is from the south, that's how far I've separated your sins and transgressions. And I remember them no more. Friend, if you feel guilty about stuff that you did before Christ, it's called false guilt. It's false guilt. And the devil likes to play that one. You to help out with a home sale. Mm. 
You stand up to give a testimony. And then rewinds the DVD to scene two. Oh no. If you're in Christ. He has cleared all that. You have a clean slate. You, you, you have started over again in Christ Jesus. There might be flashbacks. But let me tell you about flashbacks. 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 Renew your mind by the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, this law, this Old Testament way of doing things was a temporary arrangement. Just a shadow. Please understand. I mean, even God, he tells Moses, listen, by my name Jehovah, I was not known. But I'm giving you a new revelation of me, Jehovah. But Jesus Christ comes along. He says, I am who I am. Before Abraham was, I was. I am. <laughs> His name is Jesus. There's a new revelation. He's called, he is called Jesus. Because you see, many times we're tempted to go back to the old covenant and want to keep things or keep the law. You know something? In our heart of hearts, in our fallenness, we don't understand grace. We are so works prone. We, we like to work for and so because we've grown up with mommy saying if you're going to be number one this term I'm going to buy you a bike. If you're going to be number one this term I'm going to do something for you. And we've always thought that if we're going to get something from somebody we better be good to that person. And so we bring that mentality to Jesus. Let me do something so that you can give me your salvation or nothing. You see, that's what the law was. If you have sinned, this is what you should do to just cover your sin. He says again in verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and gods could take away sins. Impossible. The blood of gods and bulls can never take away sins. God said the wages of sin is death. Whose death? Your death. And so if we make a substitute and bring goats and bring bulls that's not going to take away the sins. Might cover it. Might just get us into a connection with God that God says, okay, for the time being until I bring along the real thing, I am going to accept this. Friend, listen. Once for all, fulfills the law. The once for all sacrifice of Jesus fulfills the whole law. So don't let anyone judge you. Oh, so you still eat pork. That's the law. 
Oh, so you, you don't pray on the Sabbath? The law. You're putting on trousers? That's for men. The law. And in actual fact, if you want to go literal with that law of the trousers, that very same passage says, don't put on a garment that's got two kinds of fabrics. So if it's caught on a nylon or any of these, you know, blended clothings, you have sinned. And it actually says in your garden, don't plant two kinds of of, of plants. And there you go. You're going to plant your chimanga together with the nyemba or the nteza. The groundnuts. You have sinned under the law. You know, it's very funny. People just want to take a little bit of the law. That makes them look holier than others. Enough so that they're holier than somebody else. Take the whole thing, man. Worship on the Saturday, go get circumcised, observe the Passover, become a Jew. And then we will leave you on that day because Hebrews has told us there is a high priest who has gone into the heavenlies once for all. Once for all, he fulfills the law. Number two. Once for all, sanctifies the sinner. It sanctifies the sinner. Listen to this. He says in verse 5. It says, therefore, when he came to the world, he said. Now, here, the author of Hebrews is making a quotation from, he's taking a quotation from Psalm 40. A Psalm of David. Where David is asking God that God would just come to his aid and help him. But then the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, that is speaking about Jesus. And so he picks out the stuff that is talking about Jesus. In fact, where he says, this is what Jesus said. So the he in verse 5 is Jesus. So what did he say? It's a sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. Then I said behold I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. To do your will O God. Author of Hebrews continues. Says previously saying. Sacrifice and offering. Burnt offerings and offerings for sin. You did not desire nor had pleasure in them. And it's put in brackets. Which are offered according to the law. Now that is very very radical. Because what. This is saying is this. The temple sacrifices. 
God does not require them. So you can just imagine your whole idea of church is bringing a bull in the morning or a goat in the morning and so that you can, you can make some sacrifice for your sin being a crazy weak pastor. No, I was in line to get the fuel and then there was this stupid fool in front of me and, and you know somehow I said things I shouldn't have said I've come with this goat so I, I can give my offering in this place. Hallelujah. And so you're used to a life where you, when you sing, you, you go and make an offering. You bring an animal into the temple. And then all of a sudden you're being told, oh no, sacrifice and offering, all those goats and bulls, ah, he, God, God didn't need them, he didn't want them. Excuse me, all that money, do you know how much a bull is? Do you know how much a goat is? What the author of Hebrews is saying is really pulling the rug, the carpet off these people's feet. Because they just don't know how to relate to God apart from a sacrificial system. May I say this? That there are some people that have this sacrificial system too in Christ who think I should give this to God and God is going to give that to me. Now if I give that, the God is going to give this. If I am this good, no trouble is going to come upon my life. The law. Listen to this though. The law, in fact the sacrifices and offerings, in terms of getting your connection with God or getting access back to God. Maybe let's put it in 2009 terms. Getting your network back with God together. Sometimes you go in some places and Zane is not there. Going some places GNM is not there. Network is not there. Sacrifices and offerings are something that happens that happened after the fall of man. I mean, in the sense of getting connected back to God. Yes, Ken and Abel offered sacrifices, but these were sacrifices of just thanking God. Not really trying to connect with God, I have seen. Uh -uh. And so this kind of thinking is thinking that has come after the fall. You have sinned and so you have died. In other words, you have been disconnected from me. If you want to get connected to me again, here is the law, you should fulfill it. Just to get access to me. It's something that comes after. And it really is external. But notice here. It says. Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. You see God was not about the blood of those animals. In fact, the blood of those animals was just like plan D. Okay, 
Chabu beings. I loved you. I created you. Wanted to have a relationship with you. I knew you'd mess up anyway. But in the interim right now, you do that. But it's not something that God was pleased with. He had no pleasure in it. And he says in verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. It's talking about Jesus now, isn't it? And we're told again in verse 9, says, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Now, please understand. God is more interested in people being obedient than in giving sacrifices. God is more interested in people being obedient, in people being transformed from inside them, as opposed to people fulfilling all these sacrifices. And the author of Hebrews says, that was talking about Jesus. Now, theologians speak of the active obedience of Christ. The active obedience of Christ. And the idea is this. Jesus Christ, in his living on this earth, he met all the requirements of the law. He lived a righteous life. Yes. Zona. He saw those ladies that you see, but he never seen them. Amen, brothers. Amen. He never sinned. He actively obeyed. And you see, many times, we think only of Jesus on the cross winning our salvation. But we forget the way that he lived his life is an example to us. And even in his, in his living his life in a righteous way, he has earned us the right that we can come before God and God, when we put our trust in Christ, can look at what Christ has done in fulfilling the law and then God says, okay, okay, because you put your trust in Jesus, I justify you. You are acquitted. Your case is washed out. Because of the active obedience of Christ. You see, the law was about sinning and then coming to make up for sin. The old covenant is about sinning and coming to cover your sin. The new covenant is about obedience from the heart. And that's why he says in verse 10, by that, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Powerful stuff. He says, by that will, by his being obedient to Jesus, I mean to God, to the Father, he says here, we have been sanctified. Have been. 
I don't know who your English teacher was, Brother Sean. But my English teacher, Mrs. Njewa, everybody knows her English Mrs. Njewa said, have, has, have been or has been, has been is something that has happened in the past. We're not even bothering about that. It has happened. It's not going to happen. It is not even, in ha- it is not even happening now. It already has happened. By that will, we have been sanctified. Sanctified to be made holy. Or to be a saint. By that will, we have been sanctified. You are not going to get sanctified. You have been sanctified. Hallelujah. When God looks at you, he looks at the blood of Christ on you. God says, Sanctify. Holy. You're a saint. I'm Saint Felix. Austin. Austin Oera. Austin Oera. Austin Oera. Johanne Oera. Paul Oera. I'm not waiting for some church council 300 years after I die to say, oh no, he did some marvelous works. He did some great things. Then he is a holy man. St. Felix, no. St. Felix, the moment I say, Jesus, come into my life. I have given my everything to you. Wash me in your blood. Let me be under your blood. I'm a saint. By that will, we have been sanctified. You see, a lot of us don't understand who we are, who we are in Christ. We don't understand we have been sanctified. Oh, come on. You know, when you know who you are, there are some things you won't do. Come on, if you know that you've got 10 cars at home, probably you will never get on a minibus again. Oh yeah. If you know that you have your own airplane, probably you will never go to Malawi, Air Malawi again. Because you know who you are. There are some things that when you think about them, about doing them, and you think about you, you basically say, oh no, I can't do that. No man will you find. No woman will you find who puts on clothes with patches when they've got some really nice clothes. Because they know. Oh no, that's beneath me. I can't put that Oh, may I say this to you? The true son of God, the true daughter of God, who knows that they have been sanctified, they know that I should not go back to that nonsense and mess. I'm sanctified. I am holy. When God looks at me, he says, he is holy. God looks at you and says, you're holy. You see, it doesn't really matter what you think. What matters is what God thinks about me. If he says I'm holy, I'm holy. You can say, oh no, you don't, I don't like the way that he talks. Oh, I don't like the way he does this. I don't really think he's a Christian. I don't think he's into ministry for, for God. I think he's into it for money. It doesn't matter. God says I'm holy. I am holy. 
And if he says you're holy, you are holy. He has sanctified you. Here's the problem. We, wo- we worry too much about what other people say about us. Oh, pursue God. Follow God. Just follow God. Forget about anyone else. The once for all sanctifies the sinner. Sets the sinner apart into the will of God. Hallelujah. Mm. Says verse 10 again. But by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He sacrifices once for all. Guess what? My sanctification is once for all. He makes me holy once for all. Ah, but you know, I saw you the way that you spoke yesterday. That was a sin. sin. I I wonder if you're saved. Once for all. Do you know there are a lot of people that get saved and then along the way some days down the road they fall into some trap of the enemy and they fall under condemnation and they start feeling I'm not born again. I need to get back and receive Jesus again. And I tell you Sunday in and Sunday out they come, Jesus coming to my life. Hallelujah. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Help me, help me, help me. I'm here to tell you you don't have to do that. If that first time was real once for all But pastor, this is a license for sin now. I, I know that brother. The moment they hear this, they are going to say, Pastor, that it is what was done once for all. And so guess what? You can sin, you go back once for all. You can do whatever, you go back once for all. You can sleep with whoever, once for all. Remember this. What God has done is inside. What he has changed is inside. If inside you there's something that still wants the world so much you should doubt your salvation. You should ask yourself if you're truly born again. If your inside has not been changed if your basic orientation to life is, is to enjoy the things of this world, if that is the basic motive of your life, you should question your salvation. Anyone who is truly saved, their basic motivation is to please God and to do the things of God. Now religion will always come in, sneak in, and make you do just one do things religious enough for everyone around you to think you're a Christian. Don't 
Just do the minimum. So that everybody sees that you're a Christian. Or you're religious. And so your standard for your Christianity becomes everyone. You know, I don't have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our whole church is nobody filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't have to tithe. It's not in our catechism. Just enough. I tell it's just enough to go to hell. That's what it is. It's just enough to go to hell. Oh, please walk away from religion. Walk away from an external something that actually stinks before God. To make yourself like you are holy and you are not holy. To come amongst the holy and you are not holy. That stinks to high heaven. Listen, these Hebrews were people that were Christians but were drifting away. Slowly drifting away. Slowly going back to religious rituals. This is a book written to Christians. And even today there are people that are slowly drifting away. And I tell you in December in December we lose a lot of Christians In December, it's like the rewind goes fast rewind. In about three weeks, this person that was in church and putting their hands up, find them on the 2nd of January. What happened? People who don't know their identity may sink today. May it sink today in your mind, in your heart that you are sanctified. If you are born again, you are holy. And so act like you are holy. Because you are holy. Once for all, fulfills the law. Once for all, sanctifies the sinner. And finally, once for all, matures the believer. Matures the believer. You see, the problem in the world today, but in the church, is not that there are not enough born again people. The problem is there are not enough mature born again people. There are not enough mature born again people. That's, that's a big problem. But this once for all has its way of bringing about a maturity in the believer. Listen to this. Verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, 
Now, notice here, he's contrasting the old priesthood and the priesthood of Jesus. At every chance, he gets to hammer at the old priesthood, he does that. But notice what happens here, or how, how he pictures it. He says, every priest stands ministering. But this man has sat down. The other one is chilling. The other one is grilling. grilling. Busy, 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 busy. Contrast. The other one, you know, is like stands and ministering. Okay. Oh, man, look, one, two, three, four, hundred and fifty. And they all have gods. Hey, why was I born a Levite? Anyway, God knows. Bring your goat. And then the other one is at the right hand of the Father. Just living large. And then when he sees one of his people, his 150 people, he knows them by name, by the way. Father, watch Santana. Having a hard time, but he's under the blood. More power, more power. You know, we don't know what we have in Christ. Remember when you seen that sin? That one, not the usual one. But that one you seen. And how you felt you had just so fallen. And you tried everything to make sure you get back with God. I'm going to take, take a day. I'm going to fast three days. I'm going to take my bus. I'm going to be by myself. I'm not going to talk to anyone else. I'm just going to listen to gospel music. I won't listen to the news at all. Lord, I am sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry. And Jesus is like <laughs> you. I don't stand, I sit. You are not your own high priest. I am your high priest. You see, it's that devil that makes you to want to make atonement for your sin. You cannot atone for your sin. If you could, you would not have sinned in the first place. But the fact that you sin means that you need a high priest. But remember this high priest is not one that keeps on offering and offering and offering and offering and offering and offering, and offering, and offering until he dies offering. No. This one has done it once for all. Has sat down on the right hand of the throne of the Father. He's chilling. Tell your neighbor he's chilling. That's what he's doing. Verse 12. Verse 13 actually. He says from that time waiting. The modern revised version. From that time chilling. Till his enemies are made his footstool. So he's just chilling. Hey, son of God. Hey, man. What's up? What's up? What you doing? What's, what's up? I'm just chilling until my enemies are made my footstool down here. 
Now who are his enemies? The devil and those that run after the devil. Listen. It says here. For by one offering, verse 14, he has perfected forever. He has perfected forever. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Alright, stop right there. Stop, stop, stop. You said we have been sanctified. Now here you are switching the tables on me changing that grammar because you put it in the past perfect have been sanctified those that have put their trust in Christ but now you said you are, are being sanctified that is present continuous tense Mrs. Njewa should be proud of me I, I, present continuous tense the sanctification is still being applied listen sanctification has two aspects. You were sanctified when you received Jesus but because Jesus is in you and you're living in a fallen crazy world where it's not just about your sin but there's also the sin around you. So you are still being sanctified. You're still walking away from sin. When God looks at you in position, the position that God has you, you're sanctified. But in experience, you are being sanctified. That's why a person who's truly born again will walk away from sin. Not all at once. Being sanctified. It's a process. process. You meet me the year I was born again. And you meet me three years later. There must be a difference. I'm growing in my sanctification. Meet me ten years later. I'm not there. I'm still moving on. I'm still being sanctified. Now here's the problem. For that person who first year after they're born again has issues and struggles. Fast forward five years same struggles. Fast forward ten years same struggles. Mm. Mm. I will kind of like have to put a big question mark about on your salvation. Because those that have been sanctified, they are being sanctified. The very same power that sanctified them, separated them to God, the very same power that's continuing in their lives and separating them. And so you can say, Oh, pastor, when you say that a person is saved and is sanctified, then, you know, they'll go to heaven and, you know, even though they sin, they'll still end up in heaven. You start understanding now that when that person is sanctified there and continuing sanctification, he's walking away from sin. And yes, the moment they accepted Jesus, they are 100% saved. Yeah, I know. That religion says, oh no. I, 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 I sinned yesterday. 
Jesus knew you would see You see, some people think when you become born again, when you stop to sin, you are lying. And that's not what the Bible teaches. When you become born again, you start living a life that is directed toward God. And you and your sinful self, as you start pursuing Jesus, those sins will start falling off. Amen. Amen. You see, Christians are not sinless. Christians are not sinless. Okay. Let's prove the point. Is there anybody who's sinless today who has not sinned ever? I mean, today not sinned. Thank God there are no liars in this place. But Christians are not sinless. But Christians sin less. They sin less as they grow. We're not sinless. But we sin less. That's the power of sanctification. It is the experience of being sanctified. And we're being told here this is part of the once for all. Hallelujah. Now you see, if Jesus just wanted people that are holy, then the moment we got saved, we'll have been whisked away. Maybe you'll have sent a 747 you know, from heaven just to take away me and uh, I don't know, my family. And then, you know, for you two and your family, he didn't do that. He must have a plan. Now we hear, we've heard already that Jesus is chilling at the right hand of the Father. I'm just trying to keep some of you awake. He's chilling at the right hand of the Father and he's there until his enemies are made his footstool. Now, here's what the Bible tells us. His enemies will be made a footstool when he comes back a second time and the kingdoms of this world will have become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. How does that get to happen? Enter the church. It is the church that's going to get the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen. Here's what mature Christianity says. God has saved me. He has a purpose for me. Let me find my purpose in God and let me start pursuing my purpose in God. The reason he has sanctified them and is sanctifying them is so that they can do the works of God. To sanctify is to separate from sin. But to sanctify as well is to dedicate to the use of God. So those that he has sanctified once for all, he is still sanctifying, still setting apart to the work of God. Listen to this. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says Lord, 
I'll put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Now, he's going back to Jeremiah 31 which is talking about the new covenant. And the new covenant, the new promise is the basis of the maturity. For that Christian to come at a point that he or she is pursuing the will of God. It is based on the new covenants. And as you can see here, he says he'll put his laws in our hearts. An internal thing. Please understand. All this, this whole salvation deal is so that you can actually serve God. And the basis of that is God's covenant. Listen to this again in verse 17. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In other words, he has justified them. Or justified us. Forget about their sins. What is he looking for? A people that understand who they are. Why they've been sanctified. And to what they've been sanctified to. The book of Hebrews is all about sanctification. In fact, it's all about maturity. Remember in chapter 5, he says, though by now you ought to be teachers of the word, but you have need again that you should learn the elementary principles of Christ. Now you need milk instead of bones. And do you know, that's where many of us are today. Babies. Still waiting to get something from somebody. Still coming to church to get blessed. Don't blessing upon my life. I'm writing exams. I want prayer. I'm, I'm sick. I want to get healed. My business isn't working. Is it Pray for me. And God is saying, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these little things, I'll just add them to you. Be mature. Pursue my kingdom. Have a heart for people to be saved. No, but you know, I can't even preach. No, tell them what I have done in your life. Listen, as you're faithful with just the little steps, your witness in terms of what God has done for you or God will give you more boldness. You see, many people want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you see, the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're taught in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, is for people that should go and witness. And you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit just so that you can impress other people that you know I speak in tongues. Oh no. The Holy Spirit is saying, listen, if I give you this, if I give you this, will you be faithful? Will you be a witness? Will your family be touched by you? Maturity. 
maturity. This once for all has brought in maturity. Because now we're being set apart to God's word. Now we're being sanctified. And it's based on the covenant of God. And he says in verse 18. Now where there is remission of this. There is no longer an offering for sin. In fact, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is no, wrong, no longer an offering for sin. Do you know, if you're in Christ, you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. He, he remembers your sins no more. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.